the consultant is going to be the key influencer in the process, and, and that would be regardless of whether they're an OCIO or just a traditional consultant. The reason for that is because the level of sophistication in investments today, the rapid rate of new product development, uh, these factors put the consultant in a much stronger position to control the conversation. This is the World of Multi-Employer Benefit Funds podcast with your hosts, Tom Shanklin and Tracy Doherty Shanklin. Managing Partners at CSU Investment Partners. If you're interested in labor and union benefit funds, well, you've landed in the right place. We are a go-to source for all things union benefit fund related, and we are going to bring you interviews with key decision makers and fund professionals that guide these plans. They'll share their insights, experience, unique perspectives, all of the latest developments and tips to unlock the mysteries of multi-employer benefit funds. Time is short, so let's get started. Please welcome Tom and Tracy. Hi, I'm Tracy Doherty Shanklin. Thank you for tuning in to the world of multi-employer benefit funds. Today, we are talking about the role of the investment consultant as a professional on multi-employer benefit funds. We are talking to my partner at Sisu Investment Partners and my husband, Tom Shanklin. Tom has had over a 25-year career in several investment advisory roles. Tom, thank you for being here. And can you start by telling us about your background? Thanks, Tracy. After graduating college with an accounting degree, I went to work for a large integrated natural gas company at their corporate headquarters. And as I became more knowledgeable about the company, I realized that my interests really leaned toward finance. So I completed my MBA at night and was moved into the treasurer's department as a financial analyst. One of my areas that I covered was the corporate pension fund. And at that time, Frank Russell was the consultant. And the more I learned about what they did, the more I saw investment consulting as an area I wanted to focus on. A few years later, an opportunity surfaced for me to help start a local regional firm and help build it from the ground up using knowledge that I had gained in my prior role. Eventually, I had the opportunity to join a national firm specializing in the multi-employer benefit fund space, and that's where I spent the bulk of my career. So how did investment consultant become such an important part of pension fund management? A good question, and investment consulting, as we know it today, basically evolved following the passage of the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974, which everyone knows by ERISA today. One of the impacts of ERISA was to hold the plan trustees, who are the decision makers on these benefit funds, to a higher standard with regards to their responsibilities. Concepts such as fiduciary responsibility, diversification, and the prudent man rule were introduced raising the profile of the plan trustee and their their legal exposure. In order to provide trustees with knowledge and tools needed to meet this higher standard, investment consulting firms began to be added to the roster along with the other fund professionals that assisted the trustees, such as the attorneys and the actuaries. The consultant assisted with the basic components of the investment process. Um, If you start with the investment policy statement, which are the guidelines that dictate how the fund is run, go on to asset allocation studies, which evaluates the, the necessary diversification in the plan, 
And then investment manager searches, which is identifying suitable candidates to invest the money for the fund. And finally, the ongoing performance monitoring, which makes sure that the money managers are accomplishing their objectives and that they remain capable and competent of providing the services for which they were hired. And uh, just as a, as a note here, most of the major consulting firms in the market today can trace their origin back to that period immediately following the passage of ERISA. So how has the consulting business evolved since you started? A number of factors have impacted the financial markets over the years in ways that have increased volatility, increased correlation of the returns among asset classes, and dramatically increased complexity. Uh, going back to the time when ERISA was passed, most plans were either managed by a bank or a single investment manager in a balanced account format. Typically, these were something along the lines of 60% in U.S. stocks, which were usually large cap, uh, completely, if not uh, predominantly. And then uh, the balance of the portfolio, 40%, was in a core fixed income product. Post-ERISA, primarily due to the influence of consultants and the application of more sophisticated investment principles and techniques, plan assets were distributed to more and more investment managers, representing more specialized and diverse investment strategies and asset classes. The typical plan today now has equities across a wide range of capitalization and also has diversified into the non-U.S. market, including emerging markets and in some cases frontier markets, and has also introduced non-traditional asset classes, which we generally refer to today as alternative investments. The fixed income has also gotten more sophisticated and uh, many non-traditional type of fixed income investments are utilized today in order to enhance the returns and add diversification to the portfolio. This transition into more sophisticated investment options increases the value of the consultant because they have the research staff and expertise to analyze and evaluate the investments to determine which are, are best suited for the client. What about the trend of consulting moving towards OCIO relationships today? Yes, you're referring to the outsourced chief investment officer. This is an area of tremendous growth today. Many of the consulting firms are devoting considerable resources and time to this. Uh, basically, in this relationship, the consultant is given some level of discretion over the portfolio management. The relationships can vary consultant to consultant and fund to fund, of course. And in some relationships, discretion is only over a portion of the portfolio, in many cases, we see alternatives uh, being an area where trustees will delegate discretion. In other situations, the consultant has complete discretion over all aspects of the investment advisors managing assets for the fund. Trustees can also maintain veto power or can structure whatever terms and limitations they feel most comfortable with in these relationships. My experience has been predominantly with multi-employer plans in the more traditional role. And many, if not most funds, meet quarterly. If the consultant wanted to propose a change under that structure, they would ask to make a presentation at a quarterly meeting, educate the trustees on the basis for the recommendation, and then if the trustees agreed, the manager presentations would be held uh, at a quarterly meeting following. This may or may not lead to a firm getting hired. And so regardless, from the time the consultant would make the recommendation to the time the manager is funded, it was often six to nine months. For better or worse, many investments today are more opportunistic 
and they need to be enacted in a much more timely manner to be effective, which can be done much more efficiently under this new OCIO format. It should be noted that employing an OCIO does not absolve the trustee from their fiduciary responsibility. The trustees are still ultimately accountable for whatever happens on the fund, but it does help by adding a co-fiduciary and some professional expertise into the investment process. So to add on to that, your comments, what is the prevailing difference between an OCIO and a traditional investment consultant relationship? The traditional investment consulting relationship, the investment segment of, of the board meeting is typically run by the investment consultant. So they're bringing an agenda, usually developed through consultation with the trustees beforehand. In that situation, again, the consultant has to educate trustees in terms of if there's any changes that they feel need to be made, what what those changes are. And uh, again, that can take a meeting or two. It may take uh, several rounds of manager search meetings. And um, ultimately, the board of trustees, once they feel comfortable with the decision, would move to hire the manager and then money's moved from one manager to another to, to fund the account. That's really the biggest issue that has led to the OCIO, which is the time delay that occurs in that situation. Adding to that is the sophistication and the complexity of these new alternative assets. They can be very detailed in terms of what the manager can invest in. In many cases, there are strategies that are are somewhat uh, obscure in that there's not full disclosure by some of the hedge fund managers and some of the alternatives managers that are out there in order to protect their their trading secrets. Uh, So the consultant is needed to sort of dig through all this and find out what the competent managers are that are out there. And um, it's simply taken a big burden off of many of the trustees in that they don't have to wrestle with the complexities of sophisticated investment programs and can rely on their hired professional to, to do that work for them. Great. So given the state of consulting today, what advice would you give to an investment manager that wants to expand into the multi-employer market? That's a good question. I've heard that many times over the years, and my answer is very different today than what I would have told a manager five or 10 years ago. Let me preface this by saying that all funds are different. All consultants are different. So I'm going to make some generalizations here that clearly won't apply to every situation. The multi-employer market is still a very substantial portion of the institutional marketplace. And I think investment managers should pay attention to it and, and look to expand their client base into this segment. The first thing I'd say with dealing with these funds is that the consultant is going to be the key influencer in the process. And, and that would be regardless of whether they're an OCIO or just a traditional consultant. The reason for that is because the level of sophistication in investments today, the rapid rate of new product development, these factors put the consultant in a much stronger position to control the conversation. That being the case, my suggestion would be managers looking to get into this marketplace focus on establishing a relationship with consultants because that is going to be the primary obstacle to getting hired on these funds. Provided the money manager has a particular region or trade group 
that they're wanting to focus on, trade group meaning uh, particular unions such as the carpenters, the UFCW, the laborers, assuming they've identified the key areas they want to work in, they would take a look at what consultants service that region or those trades, because they tends to be, um, you, t- you tend to see some aggregation in within the trades simply because of the the commonality of trustees on certain boards that uh, makes it easy to, uh, once you've been hired on one board, the information starts to be made available or, or made known to other trustees. So uh, we often see that uh, managers will develop an, a, a deep client base and in particular unions. But um, once that's been done, you need to identify which consultants are serving that area. And once that's done, it's really a matter of initiating the discussion with the consulting firm and hopefully entering into their due diligence process. Every firm is going to have their own process for considering new managers. In some firms, the individual consultants play a key role in identifying those new managers that they want to bring into the firm and have evaluated and to be considered as whether they want to be on their approved list or not. In other cases, and I think this is probably the more prevalent uh, trend today is for new manager searches to be held by the research department within the consulting firm. And this is where, in most cases, you have specialists that develop in areas of fixed income, others that uh, focus on equities of various uh, types. And this is, again, because there's just so much information, so many nuances in the investment styles and so forth that we have entered into a period where we have a lot of specialization. To that end, many of these firms, uh, they'll have links that are on their websites that for a particular asset class or investment strategy, they will have a contact person within the firm and you'd reach out for them. So it's clear that consultants have a very important role on these investment funds. I think for some of our listeners, they're going to want to know if they're a money management firm and they want to contact a consulting company for the first time or they want to broaden their uh, footprint in the institutional market, what would be the best way for that manager to approach a consulting firm? Well, it it really comes down to what pre-existing relationship there is to start with. If that investment manager is currently investing assets for clients, that would be the good place to start because the consulting, consulting is in, is comprised of basically two components. One is the internal research department or research function, and then you have the outside consultants who are out meeting face-to-face with the clients. Consultants, as part of their work, are doing research into managers and trying to find quality managers over all periods of time uh, in all sectors. And so there's there's constant search. The manager search department that these consultants have are the ones that are typically doing this work and using statistical databases to identify. So again, if that investment manager currently has any clients in common, that's a great way to, to go into the consulting firm since they already have some knowledge of you working through the manager research department would be advisable. If there is no context, uh, it can be a little bit more difficult. Many of the consulting firms today are trying to advise investment managers to reach out for their search department. But in some cases, 
you may have the ability to interact with a consultant and get them to be an advocate for you for their internal research efforts. So it sounds like for the money manager that wants to break into the institutional marketplace, um, particularly with the multi-employer fund, that the best place to start is with the manager research team. I think so. And you see increasingly, if you go to the consultants' websites, they will have contact points for these investment managers to reach out. And it will direct you in many cases to the specific individual that's responsible for that asset class. The thing to keep in mind is is that investment consultants typically address a national client base. They travel a lot. There's a fairly extensive meeting schedule that they have to participate in. And so uh, time is at a premium for consultants. And so to the extent that they can delegate this initial contact work out to the search department, it's going to make their life a whole lot easier. So that kind of leads into the next question, because one of the things I wanted to ask is what do you think, um, at least in your experience, was the biggest frustration in accomplishing your work or goals mission for the individual clients that you represented? There could probably be many answers to that because there's a lot of sources of frustration uh, in consulting. But, you know, let's go back to the beginning in terms of the manager search process. Uh, uh, The worst thing that can happen is if a manager finally gets invited to a search opportunity and they're in front of a board of trustees and they come ill-prepared, meaning that they they really don't understand the issues of the client. Uh, They're bringing someone, in many cases, that is a portfolio manager that doesn't speak in front of crowds very often. The most important thing I've tried to impress upon these individuals is that you need to know your audience. So understanding, I guess, the dynamic between the relationship that is between labor and management is very important. Understanding current potential political events or strike type events pending. I think we'll close on this last question is the there are important communications that have to happen between a manager and a consultant, both in the search process as well as after you get into business together with a shared client. Can you talk about those updates and how often they should be provided? What format is typically best received and the availability of in-person face-to-face meetings that how regular would a money manager expect to have those kind of meetings? I think that's really going to vary depending on the consultant or the consulting firm that you're dealing with. Uh, Many of them have very little interaction with the money managers themselves relying on the research department to give them the feedback. But, um, you know, the, the key here is to be sensitive to the demands that the consultant faces. If uh, the consultant is reaching out for information, you want to be certain that you're getting responses back that answer the question or are meaningful on a timely basis. Uh, if everything is going along quite well, you want to touch base, but don't waste a lot of time patting yourself on the back. And perhaps most importantly, when things are going wrong, don't disappear. Uh, That's been the worst thing is when the market turns and the consultant's trying to get some sense of what's happening in the portfolio, you know, are there problems? uh, You need to get that out 
get it up front and uh, be talking to them about what's going on inside the firm because the, the consultant has to go back to the board and explain what's happening and all the information that can be provided by the manager can help make that job a little bit easier. Uh, the, you know, they understand that in difficult times, all managers can have trouble over certain periods of time. The key is, do the managers understand why that underperformance or the poor performance is recurring and what are they doing to address it? But let me close by saying that if investment managers need assistance with this process, there are firms out there that can help. Uh, we, we do this here at Sisu, and there are many other firms out here that have the expertise that can help out. That's great. Thank you so much, Tom. I think that this is really helpful uh, as uh, investment managers look towards expanding and scaling business into the multi-employer plan world. It's important to understand the background of the consultants and how they play a very specific role in the manager selection process. So I think this is super helpful and I thank you for your time and thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. And that's it for this week's episode of the World of Multi-Employer Benefit Funds podcast. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, head over to www.sisuinvestmentpartners.com and let us know. Tom and Tracy, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to next time. For even more information and resources, head over now to www.sisuinvestmentpartners.com and get involved. 